are listening to Manhunter Radio with Jeff Shetler, the leading podcast for all things tracking and trailing in law enforcement, military, and search and rescue. Leash up and hold on for the ride. All right. So uh, welcome to another podcast. And I have a special guest, uh, Officer Patrick Webb. Uh, the handler for Canine Smokey from Statesboro PD. Uh, that's here in Georgia. And uh, Patrick, if you could, uh, could tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been with the department, um, your assignment with Smokey, and any other pertinent details you want to throw out there for us. Absolutely. Um, so I got hired on in, I guess it was July of 2011. So I'm coming up on 10 years uh, in that I've been super lucky. So I've gotten to do a little bit with supervision, uh, played with SWAT, kind of ran the gamut of positions at the department. And uh, August of 19, they opened up our third canine spot. So we've got two narcotics dogs and then we added the tracking dog, Smokey. And uh, I applied for that and got him and I've been running with him for about two years now. That's great. And so had you been with another department before you started with Statesboro or is this your first one? Yeah. So it's been all with Statesboro. Yeah. So and, and obviously I think that this has kind of been the, the pinnacle of your career so far. I don't, I don't think I've, uh, in all the posts that I've seen you make for the law enforcement stuff you've been doing, uh, it seems like the canine gig is really, really uh, something that, that that's floating your boat. Uh, I, I could not be more lucky to be in the spot that I'm in, to be honest, especially like with our department, it was pretty much like we, we never had a tracking dog before. So, and I've never worked a canine. So they just kind of like, we got them and they said, what do you need? And they got us what we needed. So they set us up to succeed. And that's been one of the most, the biggest effect on the, the career so far with him. It's just that they set us up to succeed. So let's let's talk a little bit about your canine unit. You said you had two, you got two narcotics dogs on the in the department. Correct. Yeah, we've got a German Shepherd and a Lab, and then Smokey was the first tracking dog, I believe, that the department had. I think some of the other ones did a little bit tracking, but he was the first single purpose tracking. So are the are the narc, narc dogs patrol also or just narc? They're just narc. We don't have any uh, patrol dogs. Okay. And, and how long has the canine unit been in existence now? Oh, man, it's been, they've had them for 15, 20 years, I think. So it's been, it's been a while, but like I said, it was always uh, just the narcotics. Yeah. And, and how big is your city? I mean, I've driven through it, but I haven't really spent too much time there. We've got a population of about 30,000, but it fluctuates a lot because uh, Georgia Southern is located in our jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. So half of the year, we've got roughly 60,000 people in the city. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about your dog, Smokey. Uh, so like I said, don't, he was the, don't be shy either. Yeah. <laughs> he, was the, he was the first uh, solo tracking dog that we had. Um he and I have, I think it's at 12 fines together. Yeah. We're coming up on two years, but you know how that first year is. It was just, it was just finding out how to stand up. I'm still like a baby in this game. I feel like even with two years in, like you're still just, it's like saturate or getting information through a fire hose. Yeah. Just kind of soak up every single thing that you can. But Smokey is like 
such a good dog in that he's like so forgiving with how ignorant I was in the beginning. And he just made it super easy to where now, like when we finally started clicking and running on all cylinders, I think there towards the end of the year, we were on fire. We had like six or seven fines in in a pretty short amount of time. Yeah. And then, uh, our last one being January and we've been dry since then. So like the hard part with that is, mentally staying in it when we're not getting the reps or the the work outside of training. So just trying to like not get my head about it and uh, be ready for when that call does come. Right. So tell us a little bit about Smokey. He's, he's a bloodhound, right? Yeah, he's a bloodhound. He's a two-year-old uh, bloodhound. He was donated by Southern Edge Canine, which is a local kennel here in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came out the gate. He was ready to go. And we just kind of had to keep him proficient and and build on a few things, but he's a rock star. Yeah. So when you, when we're talking about deployments, why don't you give our listeners a little bit an idea of some of the types of things that you would deploy on? Because, you know, there's, there's a lot of different um, schools of thought when it comes to tracking, what you can track and what you can't, you know, what does your department do? What's your philosophy and what's your, your method of understanding or your MOUs for the department and the deployment of the bloodhound. So when we go, uh, we've been called out. We're primarily used by our agency, of course. So we'll, we'll take anything, you know, as long as we've got, as long as it's viable. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the oldest one we had was, it's typically about an hour. Cause I mean, from the time of the call to to getting there, I can be 30 minutes and I'm, I'm set to go. Mm -hmm. So, we do missing persons, we do uh, criminal tracks, and then we've had, you know, mostly like distressed people, walkaways, or people with diminished capabilities mm-hmm. is another one that we get used for a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the biggest one really is the criminal and then the, the walkaways. We've yeah. got, we got a lot of uh, youth homes and uh, assisted living places here in town that'll give us a lot of calls. So how, how many deployments have you been on roughly? Oh, you keep, obviously keep track of them because you have to do your training notes and everything and your deployment. Yeah. Without having it in front of me. So in the beginning I was, you know, of course not figuring everything out. Now I would go out for anything and it wasn't really setting the dog up for success, but we did get a lot of reps in that. Like, but I'd say we have about between five to 10 call outs a month, I say is a good uh, estimate. Okay. So, you know, that your ratio, your find ratio is pretty good. And you, you said something that was kind of interesting. And, and I think it's something that we all kind of learn to deal with just a little bit. And uh, you said you're setting himself, you're setting him up for a little bit more success. So, and in the beginning, you said you just would go out for anything, correct? Didn't yeah. Matter. And like, like I, I try and keep it in check. Cause of course, like, you know, the worst thing you can happen is you put the dog out and they find the person. Yeah. But there's some, like we got called to a, uh, another agency. And of uh-huh. course, when we get called, we're, I'm, we're going lights and sirens. And uh-huh. I didn't know what I had. They were like, hey, go here, meet X, Y, and Z, and, and uh, get going. And so as I'm going, I found out this is like a three-day-old track for, yeah. for a, a, 
a juvenile who had, I think it was autism and had walked away. So, I mean, there, there's nothing we can do with that outside yeah. of just a good faith effort. Yeah. You don't know what the dog's on. You don't know what, what you're actually tracking. It's just a, it was just a shot in the dark. Mm-hmm. But we so would- it, it, it actually brings up a, a good point because, you know, we're going to have a lot of listeners, you know, some are veteran handlers, some are wannabe handlers, some are new handlers. And in particular for the new handlers, if you had a word of advice going on your, your last two years of experience and setting your dog up for success, what, what advice would you give that new handler and what kind of call outs, timeframes, so on and so forth? What would you tell that guy? The biggest thing is to work with patrol. So we're separated from patrol. We're a canine unit, obviously, but to get patrol involved, because if they buy in, your success is going to go through the roof because you've got to have that perimeter. Like that's the biggest thing. You can chase them all day, but unless you've got someone there to get them, mm-hmm. they'll just keep running. So it took a while, I feel, to get patrol really invested and I'd ask them to lay tracks, get them involved however you can. And then they bought in. And that's really when our success just shot through the roof. That and uh, the biggest thing is just to check your ego, shut your mouth and listen. Mm-hmm. Like You don't have to like everything, but you can listen. Some things will work for you. Some things don't. But the moment you think you know everything or the moment you stop listening is when it all goes down. Well, give me an example. What are you talking about? Uh, so I've, like I said, I've been pretty lucky. So I've been able to go to a few different agencies and train and they don't, they don't do things the way that I do it. They don't do things the way that I was trained, but it's a, it's a good way to learn and just to see them and how they do. So it's just adding knowledge to your book. So some people, if they see it and it's done, it's not done their way, they immediately check out or don't do anything, but you might be able to pick up a few things. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to deployments, are there some calls that you're just not going to take? Or are you going to go to anything? I'll take it. If it's viable, and I'll take I guess it. That, that was my point. So what's viable in your, in your book? So when it comes to the cases that you're going to respond on and setting Smokey up for success on those cases, what... How, what is ideally is it that you're going to want to have to deploy on? I mean, what is your parameters for success? So what you'll have to refresh me is the level two cert. Is that four hours old? Yeah. Four hours old. So that's, that's the furthest out that I've gone with any sort of, of my knowledge of like, I'm on this, I know what I'm doing. Right. Anything outside of that, it's really tough. But then again, like you got to look at what you're looking for because it's, I think one of the hardest things to deal with is when you lose the track or you, you're, you know, you're not on it anymore is you never get the closure of what happened necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like you don't know if the, the old thing goes is they got in a car they went here. So you, you don't know how it goes, but if we can get something in under four hours with a solid perimeter, like the sooner they set up the perimeter, then like there I'm going into it knowing like we got this, we're about to get a find outside of four, like I'll go, but I, I got to tell them like, you know, this is a shot in the dark, but we'll give it a go. What is um your average case? Where would you say most of them are being worked? Urban, rural, woods, suburban. So we do, we do a lot of 
urban. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, so the, the one that pops out of my head, like, and I think it's probably my proudest track was it was, it was two something miles in the city. So we were mm-hmm. going through yards over fences, uh, across streets. And mm-hmm. it was just one where the, this man wasn't laying down and, uh, we had a solid patrol perimeter set up and we like, we were going hard. I think we lost track at about 12 fences uh-huh. being shot, but <laughs> smoke would hit the fence, jump it. And, uh, one of our guys fell out and we had to replace him with someone else, but it was just, <laughs> it was just moving, man. Yeah. But it's, and, it's and you, you got that guy. Yeah, we did. It was, it was yeah. awesome. We had several felony warrants out of, uh, out of, several states but it was, it was an awesome find did but he know the dog was on him yeah so it's funny because if we get a uh of course we sent him off a car on that but whenever he hits a a secondary scent article if they shed a hat or do do drop something or whatever you see him hit that scent article and just he is on it so like whenever i see that it's just i'm like we got this we're going yeah. and it seems it's weird like every time we hit a a secondary article like we pretty much get a find on it yeah did you run him into the perimeter or did Smokey run him down we hit him on a perimeter but we once he got there we finished up the track and he went to him we had him hold him there when yeah. we got him but we went through man we went through like i said it was like 12 fences we crossed a creek we had to like we built a little bridge to get over it mm-hmm it was, it was just a wild track. It was a blast. And it was just one of those at the end of it. Like that's what I hang my hat on so far. That's been the best one, but primarily we're mostly, we're mostly a urban just because of the city, but that makes it to where whenever we get a, a a track in the woods, it's a cakewalk. Yeah. Like if if you run in the woods, I'm like, go ahead. Yeah. We got this one all day. Yeah. Yeah. You can't lose, you can't lose Smokey in the woods. That's for sure. I mean, he's, he's solid there. So when you're working your cases in the urban environment, you know, you, you, you talk to a lot of people and of course you're on social media and you read a lot of stuff and um, you know, you're all, people are always talking about how hard it is to work that urban environment. You know um, what in your eye, in your mind, what do you think the solution is really from a training perspective and a deployment perspective for you working smoky, what, what makes it work for you? It's honestly the training. So we, we get every Tuesday, we train, we have 10 hours to train. So if we've got a deficiency, we're able to set up the scenarios to work through it. Mm -hmm. And then it was in the beginning, obviously it was, it was so much more difficult because it's not, you know, in the dog, in the woods, it's, like 90% dog, 10% you probably. And then in the urban setting, you have so many distractions. You've got so many other things that can blow the, the odor around things you have to get through. Mm-hmm. And so it, it relies more on the handler of like, kind of thinking like, where can I cast them out to get this, this odor? Where, where can we go next if he runs out? So it's kind of, it sounds to me that that track in the city is never necessarily a straight line. It's more of a broken line and it's connecting the dots quite a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. It's, it can be tough. Now I want to talk a little bit about, um, your deployments. Now we in tracking, 
a lot of times you'll hear people say that the bloodhound should never be used for felony tracks. It should only be a bite dog. I know you've heard that. I mean, yeah. I've heard it, it, you know, it, 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 there's different schools of thought on, you know, what a tracking dog should do if it's, you know, a floppier yeah. dog. How do you feel about that? So it's funny you say that, uh, starting out when I first got smoke, I like, I truly had a, a little chip on my shoulder because when he was coming onto the department, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's talks from just around people in our community. Like, you know, this is going to be a show dog. This is going to be a, a Monday through Friday, eight to five dog that just, just a show dog. So I'm like, that's not what I want to be known for. That's not what I want to do. I'm like, when they think of smoke, I want them to think of fines and, right. and work that we put in. So it, it, it's, you know how it is tracking with a bloodhound. I mean, you got to know what you're doing on a criminal track. Mm-hmm. And I run with my two guys, uh, Corporal Briley and Officer Scott, and anything we do, they're on it. They're the other two canine handlers. So we train weekly. And of course, I don't mind at all going in there with them because I know they've got my back. Like they know what to look for. They know what I'm doing and that I'm not looking for anything. I'm, I'm reading the dog is my goal. That's my only thing. So they're your eyes, ears, and trigger finger, basically, if necessary. Absolutely. And I, yeah, so. I doing that track, any track with them, I have, I have zero doubt. Mm-hmm. But we also get uh, quarterly training with our SWAT team for high risk, uh, high risk tracks, essentially. Mm-hmm. We, we're able to do the force on force training with that, where we have SIM guns. So quarterly, we get to get the dog out and get into hairy situations where we can learn and, and figure things out. We had a, uh, an officer was actually shot at. This was a while back. And unfortunately, from I was on scene in minutes, but mm-hmm. of course, they wanted SWAT to be there because of the, the nature of it. And for the call out for them to getting tracking was about an hour and it was just too much time. For, for that man, like it, he was gone. Yeah. We uh, recovered some evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found some shoes that he ran out of, mm-hmm. but it was just too much time. Yeah. So what's this, what's the key to working the bloodhound and staying safe, you know, on a high risk felony track? I mean, what, what, what it's, is it? What, what's the key to it? It's all in, in the reading of the dog and those proximity alerts. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone has it, but there's been a couple of times, of course, like we got pretty lucky, but uh, tracking at night is totally different than in the day. And yeah. I, won't, I won't forget it. We had a, a GSP had a vehicle chase that came into the city they pitted them. Uh, everyone ran. We were there in minutes again, put the dog out. And it was pitch black. So we're running. We're trying not to give our uh, locations away. And the way smoke was just pulling on the on the lead, I was like, we're it was a danger close proximity alert. I was like, we're on them. And uh, at mm-hmm. that moment, I was kind of able to pull him back. And Kyle and Bryce stepped up and we got him in the bushes. He didn't have a weapon or anything, but it was just one of those things. I was like, oh, if it could have been, it could have been bad. Yeah, it could have been. And so now that was like the learning point to where now even blind at night when I feel the, I don't know if it makes sense the way he he's pulling. Yeah. And I know, I know that we're in it close. I call it trailing by Braille. 
Yeah. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, there's a whole different lead tension. And when in daytime, you don't really pay attention to it too much, but at nighttime, it's the only connection you kind of have to the dog. And so when you're feeling that the change in tension, that tells a story about what the dog's doing too. I, th- I think that is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. And it's like, it's, that's a, really the best way to put it, but I just, now I can, I know that feeling and know if we hit that, that like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta pull back and assess this area. Mm-hmm. And of course, whenever I pull him back, he's, he's looking where he wants to go. So it gives us a good uh, area to search before we get back on it. Right. So if you're, if you had some advice to a new handler, just wanting to get in working a, a tracking dog for the very first time, what, what advice would you give them? Uh, you got to keep, this sounds dumb. You got to stay in shape. You got to yeah. listen. You got to, you got to find someone. It's not fun to, yeah. I, when I say it's not fun, you've got to, you've got to want it. So you've got to be able to go out there and sit for an hour while you're laying tracks. You got to find people that are going to commit that to you so you can keep your training up. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard work, but if you can get a group of guys like I've got, that'll, that'll go out there and lay those tracks and uh, mm-hmm. want you to succeed, then you'll do it. Like there's nothing else to it. But I think it, I think it was you that told me like, it's not going to be enough to just train. You got to train how you're going to work. Like you need to be out in the trails in the woods. And I cannot tell you, I remember that uh, the first week I was down with you, how many times I just ate it in the woods just cause I, I wasn't ready. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different animal. Once you start working behind the dog, you know, and then I think it goes to the physical fitness aspect. You can spend all day long in the gym, you know, pounding the weights and creating muscle, but it's a completely different, you know, physical conditioning that you need for working a tracking dog. I think, you know, you've got to have uh, those good oblique and lateral muscles that, you know, enable you to, to work in that environment and have, you know, move the way you need to and even and not far, fall flat on your face. As far as that goes, like, <laughs> so with me, I know like the dog's pulling me. So if I hit a hill or if I hit something like it's, it's funny. Cause I'm thinking like, I know it's easier for me than the two guys flanking me that are, are trying to keep up. Cause they're just sheer will to keep up. Yeah. But, um, the biggest thing is just, is just listening. Mm-hmm. It's, that's all it is. You've, I think so many, especially in the canine world, and I don't know why it is, but there's so many egos and you just got to be able to set it, set it aside and humble yourself. Yeah. My, my biggest goal was to uh, put in the work to be successful and, and to let my work speak for me. Like yeah. I don't, whenever we go somewhere, like I don't, I'm not a big talker. I don't, I don't play into it. And I'm really, really strict on just on myself. So I, I like to let my work just speak for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a, uh, a a good standard to have. I think we more people had it. We'd all do a lot better. You know, and you, you're, you're right. This, this industry is full of a lot of egos, but I think it's because you really have to have an outgoing personality to be a successful canine handler. You know, you've got to have a lot of energy. You've got to have a lot of 
capability and you have to have a lot of faith in yourself. And I think that this is where some of that, that probably comes from. And it's, it's tough. Like I said, so we, we haven't had a, we haven't had a good call in a while. And so you, you add not having a call out with a bad day of training and it's easy to get in your head. Like it's easy to do whatever. So if we have a bad day at training or whatever, like I love going in the next day and I'm like, Hey Bryce, like this is where we screwed up yesterday. We didn't do something right. Like go, go out and lay me that and let me kick this day off with a, with a good little track and Mm -hmm. I've got it. So it's, it makes it so much easier Mm -hmm. to, uh, to have that support is what it is. So how do you train your patrol guys to do what you need them to do? How do you get them in that game? Because you, you know, in in the first part of the interview, we were talking about how to set yourself up for success. And that was your first point was getting patrol in on the game. Mm -hmm. And and I agree a hundred percent. You've got to have their involvement and they have to be enthusiastic, enthusiastically involved with your program. How do you, how do you make that happen? And it's important because I know a lot of guys, it's hard for them. So and it, it, it varies by agency, but like with ours, they, they allow us the time. Like if we're not busy, mm-hmm. I get a patrol guy and I'm like, Hey, help me out with this. Mm-hmm. And so I'll specifically one-on-one get them with the dog and like, Hey, this is what I'm trying to work on. You want to help me. And of course, like mm-hmm. at the beginning, they always say yes. And they go out and lay a track and they see what a dog can do. So it's like, Hey, I'm getting a track, but they're seeing like he can find people. Mm-hmm. Like I said, most most people kind of thought it was going to be a, a show dog type thing. So once they see that he can find people and then it just compounds. So we get a call out and we find the person and everyone's like, OK, this this is happening. Mm-hmm. And I just continue to build and build and build to where now, like when the dog's coming out, like people are pumped, like, let's get this. <laughs> so you'll, yeah. you'll you'll see it. I went on a. uh went to a call of a missing juvenile. Yeah. Uh, this was Saturday and the guy on the call, he's like, man, I saw you and smoke coming. And I was like, let's get it. Yeah. So just to have that, like everyone's buying in and they want to see the dog win. They want to see us win at the end of the day. It's well, and if they, if they can make the catch because smoke runs them right into you run smoke runs yeah. them right into the patrol guys. I mean, it doesn't matter who makes the pinch as long as it, it the pinch is made. Right. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. uh, We've had that to, and not like, I don't, I don't care who, who gets the credit or what, but like, I know like if, if I put them out to the perimeter, so we were in some thick stuff and I'm talking like I had given up, I was wet up to my thighs covered in thorns. And I, I, I knew we were on the, uh, it was a juvenile on this one, but I knew we were on them cause I was seeing the footprints. I was seeing the, the tails of it. And then we pushed them out to a perimeter and the guys got them. So we just come out, we're just covered in mud. They were all jazzed that they got the guy. And it was just like, they, that compounds so much over time, if you can get them involved. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how it is anywhere else. Like I'm, I'm sure people have a hard time, but like our guys wanted to. So yeah. it, once, once they saw the success, it was easy to, to get the buy-in. Right. Well, and I, I think those successes are going to be coming more and more, you know, as, as you mature and Smokey gets older, what is he close to three now? He will be three on July 5th. Yeah. 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 So, you know, he's still a pup that, that 
that golden age is right around five. That's when things really, really kick in. And uh, you, that's, that's kind of the magic moment for the bloodhound. So I keep really thinking about that and, and seeing our success and where we're, we're at now. And I like, I can't wait to see what else he's got. Cause he's, he's crushing it, man. Yeah. Well, and a lot it, has to do with you. I mean, you've done a fantastic job, you know, building him up and working him, staying humble. That humble attitude goes a long way to allowing your dog to work really, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, the less you get involved with what the dog's doing, the better chance you have of staying on that track. I think it's when yeah. you start thinking for the dog and constantly line checking them. That's when things seem to start falling apart. Yeah. When you say he's it's absolutely is, but so and I think that was the hard part in the beginning, especially when we, he and I were building our bond mm-hmm. was in, that's the biggest thing that everyone said. Whenever I talked to him, trust your dog, just shut up, stop thinking, trust your dog. And it, I feel dumb saying it, but he, he proved himself to me multiple times when I was messing up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, dude, if you would just like, let me do my job, we would knock this out. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so there's, we had a, it was a, a missing elderly person and he had walked away and this was, it was an hour or two old. I can't remember specifically, but uh, we were going and I don't know if he was on it or not, but he showed a, a, real interest in this giant drainage ditch mm-hmm. and he no no uh behavior before hit that and it was just a little bit and i was so new mm-hmm. and he just continued on and i didn't think at all about that ditch or how the sink carries and the guy ended up being down there probably about a half mile and really he, he had got a he had got it mm-hmm. and i didn't listen to him so thank goodness we still got the guy, but he, I'll never forget it. He showed me and I was just didn't listen. Well, you just didn't know what to listen for at the moment. Yeah. (laughs) But, and so time after time and like he, the dog knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he's going to get better and you're going to get better. That's for sure. I mean, it, it's just experience and getting all those cases under your belt. Really, And that's the biggest thing. And that's why it's, I say it's frustrating. So right now when we aren't getting these calls or these reps, you know, you're hungry for them. We want them like, give us the work. I don't care if it's like a sudden snatching for five bucks. If we got them on a run and we got a perimeter, let's get them. Are you, is he starting to get a reputation in the city? I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, some I, of the bad I, guys not running would, now. I would like to think that that's the reason why is because yeah. we've, uh, we've been able to do what we do. Yeah. And, but there's still, there's nothing like just going code to that call out. And he, so he knows like if we're from the house, I th- he differentiates between the uniform I wear. So when I put on my training uniform is what I do for a call out. I just throw it on and go like he's in his cage. Like it's shaking he knows we're about to go work. And then when we get in the car and the lights and siren come on, he just howls the whole way. <laughs> really? Yeah. He like, he, he howls with it. He, he knows. You get a recording of that someday. Just hit the recorder as you're going along. I'm going to try and set up the phone <laughs> to uh, be reverse and hands-free, but to, to get that it's, it's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Wow. So when you're working your, your felony or your tactical tracks, it's generally a two man team. That's behind you. 
So it, at the minimum, I'm going to run on a felony track at the minimum. I'm running three. Okay. So three. Uh, but like I said, depending on the degree of, of, uh, violence to it, we will run the SWAT team. So we've trained and that's, man, that's, that was hard getting into, uh, doing the training with SWAT running with a full kit SWAT team. We've got like eight Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, Bryce and Kyle would lay us just some good tracks and they're blind, of course. So working the dog, getting him used to the SWAT team, because of course they're going to come up in clear areas mm-hmm. and I've got to hold him back and keeping his motivation going while we're doing that. So he doesn't get bored or go off on something else. It took us, it took us a couple of training sessions to really get him comfortable in that Mm-hmm. to where he saw them and it was fine for them to come up on the left and right, clear the area. They don't have it, send them back out. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the SWAT team started work, invited you to come out and started training with them. Or is that something you had to kind of initiate on your own? Uh, that was something that we had set up. Uh, we had it dedicated like, Hey, once, once a quarter, we're training with SWAT for these high risk things. So, and again, like when our, our officer was shot at, like outside of the time to get 10, eight on the track, like it was, it was a beautiful track because everyone knew what to do. And it's one of those things where like, especially uh, my cover, man, it, it just, that was the biggest praise I had for him on that. We just flowed like there wasn't a moment and you, you can't explain it until you like you, you just train it. But like, there wasn't a moment where I was out there. There wasn't a moment where I was not covered and it just gives me all the confidence to keep running it. Well, the, if we look back, historically speaking, I mean, the majority of fatalities on canine handlers and their dogs have always occurred when they've been thrown out into a manhunt that really they've not necessarily been prepared or trained for, you know, and, and it's, it's tough too, because you, uh, we had a, a track in a, a neighboring jurisdiction and I called it mm-hmm. like, I, I hated doing it, but we didn't have the cover. We didn't have the people. And I, I found myself out there. And the first time I was like, you know, maybe they're not keeping up. And the second time I was like, we're just gonna, we're going to call it. Yeah. Better safe than sorry. Right. You need to go home to your family. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's, it's tough to do so, but it's, it's, I guess just checking that ego. Cause that's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Especially when you spend like, it was to the point, the, the brush was so thick, we were crawling mm-hmm. and we had gone out a mile and I'm like, that's, we were, we were on the track and it's not what I wanted to do, but it, it was what you, what you got to do. And your cover guys were nowhere near you when you called it. So we had a, they they weren't that far off, but we only had two of our guys for this one, and then we had a one of the local guys from that jurisdiction. So I had three, but it, it just wasn't worth it to me. Yeah, it just wasn't. Worth well, it. I mean, you look historically speaking, like I said, on the fatalities on the tactical high risk tracks, and it's always that handler and that off that that canine handler getting out there too far ahead by himself, moving too fast, no support. And honestly, I think not reading the proximity alert and knowing they're close 
and then running into a bullet. So that, that took a lot of guts for you to do, man. I'm my, my hat's off to you for that. I mean, I, I honestly think if there's something you could teach somebody else, that's probably one of the most life-saving tactics that you, you should have. If you're on one of those high-risk tracks and you find yourself alone or, you know, it's too dangerous, call it. There's no reason to continue, right? Yeah. And I, I'm sure you know the feeling, especially like that first time, like you're out there, like to me, like that's, there's not a desire, like mm-hmm. that's how you get hurt. That's, that's yeah. how it happens. And it's especially, so the, the circumstances of it multiply faster because in our case, it was night. Mm-hmm. It was thick. It was so thick. And then it all just came on top of each other. Like it just compounded. And I was like, we're done. Yeah. We'll, we'll call this one. Well, my, 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 my days back on the street, um, I was mildly, if not, well, very retarded in very many situations just because I, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what the proximity alert was. Mm-hmm. Nobody had taught me that. I didn't understand that a cover was important to run with a tactical track. And I did everything wrong many, many times over and over again. So um, and if, it, it, it took uh, almost taking a bullet a couple of times to, to teach me the error of my ways. So if you could go back, present you, go back and talk to a first year on the job tracking you, what is the golden advice that you would give yourself or the the advice that you wish you had gotten that you didn't? Oh man, there's so many. (laughs) You're the interviewer now. Um, So I, I, no, that's good. It's a great question. Um, You know, there's a lot of things I was, I was so stupid, you know, and I made so many mistakes. 90% of what I teach now is based on my mistakes, not necessarily on what I did good. Um, my find ratio was very, very low in the beginning. And the reason for that was because my ego ran the dog, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was more interested in looking good and making sure that, uh, you know, wanting everything to work out fine at the end of the track, I would try to use my powers of deduction while tracking to try to figure out what the guy might've done or d- what the guy might've done and then pulled my dog off God knows how many tracks, Yeah, you know, trying to think for the dog. And so that was probably number one. And then number two, never track alone. If you're, if you're tracking a, a bad guy or a missing person, you need to have somebody with you because, you know, your head's not on a swivel when you're running a tracking dog. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're very focused. You're running with blinders. You don't pay attention to 90% of what's happening out there. And it's easy to run into traffic. It's easy to get shot there's a number of things that could happen to you. So I would say those are the two biggest issues. Number one, like you said, put, put your ego on a shelf, let your dog do the work, basically shut the fuck up. And then, you know, the second issue really um, is always run with cover, you know, always, you know, do it the safe way, the right way. Even, even with a juvenile, if it's something like that, like I'm still carrying one person with me. Like I, I've, I've never been on a track, just gone on a track solo. Uh, cause these juveniles now, like some of them can be pretty big and especially if it's a troubled youth and you know, you're winding up, you might still have to go hands-on at the end of the track. You never know what you got. Has that proximity alert saved your ass yet? Oh my God. Yeah. It, I mean, it truly has. And, and I'm so lucky cause smoke is so easy to read when, when he hits it, it's, you just, you just see it. And I remember, uh, 
just reviewing video with you. And I try, I try and video my tracks. So that's truly the best way to go back and, and look at it to, you've got to like intimately know those alerts, those proximity alerts. So when I see his head shoot, it's so much easier now. And I just remember being so befuddled starting and like, I, I couldn't get everything all together, but now you see it and you just put it in your mind. Like he popped right here. And then, uh, especially when he, when he gets the, the near alert, like it's yeah. so easy to tell. And it's of course different when I'm doing a juvenile or something like that. Like I'll, I'll feel that and, and just know we're in on it. But whenever I feel it on like a criminal track, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> now, have you, have you, has anybody, um, as you've gotten close, was there anybody who was waiting for you in ambush yet in any situation that you've dealt with? No, uh, every, every single person has been in hiding. So how good they hide is, a uh, is one thing, but we've also never had anyone like fight at the end. So we haven't had to come across that yet, but once they, uh, they see the dog and they see, of course, we're rolling with a couple officers. We've got the force that we need and then everyone has just come out they're hiding under something. Have you ever- have you ever gotten close to these guys and they didn't even know you were there? Uh, yeah. So we had, uh, this one was a juvenile and it was out in, uh, in our County, but like, it was funny cause it was at night and I, I remember smelling, it was cotton candy cause the kid was hiding in the bushes and vaping like zero idea that we were there. And then I like saw the, the bush move when they put a light on it and I was like, they're there and they of course had zero idea we were there um really and then we've had ones that bail out in vehicles when we come up and it'll be dark and we'll roll dark and they don't know that we're there until the light comes on so by the time you hit them with a light in their face and start giving commands they just come straight out which is lucky so how do you feel about that you know that, that actually brings up another question you know every place you go they do things a little bit differently how do you feel about noise and light discipline when you're on a track i do my very best to of course you because the the light gives you away so that's that's the last thing that i want them to know so we do our best to to run as quiet as we can and as dark as we can and it, it comes to a certain point where obviously you've got to get some light if if you think you're in that proximity alert to begin searching Mm-hmm. but uh that goes to the training that my guys put in with me is that they they're used to it they know what they're doing and they can have the confidence to run dark cuz it's easy to just like throw on a headlamp and run with a flashlight or whatever but it's it's much more difficult to stay as a cohesive unit and run dark if that makes yeah. sense no no it really truly does yeah absolutely but that's something you need to train for because if you don't train for it you're not going to be able to do it in reality right Mm-hmm. And that, so that's another one, like we do probably once a quarter as a canine unit, we'll train at night. And then the same thing, I think every third uh, SWAT training we'll do in the evening to get everyone used to, to what most likely will run because most of the criminal uh, tracks are at night. Yeah, it's a di- totally different animal, totally different animal. And, you know, it's also when most of the bad shit happens is at night too. Mm-hmm. And I think in my opinion, you know, just based on what I've seen in the case studies I've uh, looked at, uh, 
nine times out of 10, when things go sideways, it's because people didn't practice for that nighttime tactical deployment. Um, you know, number one with backup that knows how to work with the dog. And then number two, uh, working in that blind or double blind scenario situation where you don't know where the guy is, you don't know how he's set up because, um, a big part of the training in in my opinion is not knowing what the ending is going to be about or where the track is, because then you're going to naturally respond to the conditions, uh, I think in a more realistic way and that prepares you for real life. So you had said, and I was just sitting here thinking um, we did have a track where at the end we went hands-on with a guy and it was a, uh, a DUI hit and run and it wasn't a far track. So it's not like that was really difficult, but we went from the car uh, to him. And of course I had my two cover guys and at the end of it, uh, they went to place him under arrest and he went to, he went to fighting. But of course it wasn't when the dog was on it. He, uh, yeah, of course yeah. we, we got him and I was like, that's, uh, that's it. And of course they went up there and then, uh, I went in and helped to, uh, secure the guy and smoke just sat down by a tree. He was, <laughs> was chilling. He's done. <laughs> yeah. He, he just sat down by a tree. So when you were, you're talking about when you're working with the SWAT team, everybody had a full kit before. What, what do you think the ideal kit is for a tracking dog handler? What do you carry with you? What, what is, is it different than what you're on patrol with? What, what are you wearing? So uh, I've got to wear a uniform, a full uniform with a full duty belt. And it makes yep. it tough. It like really makes it tough. So really the only thing I change is uh I secure my keys so they don't jingle, mm-hmm. but uh, it's, it's a whole ass duty belt and mm-hmm. it makes it hard going through, uh, going through the brush and the things getting caught. It'll get caught on my gun. It'll get caught on my taser. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty frustrating. And then um, I got a camel back that I'll carry for the dog as well. If they need a water break, if we go that long. Um, but we're hoping to transition to a, uh, outer carrier mm-hmm. and I'll be able to tailor that to, uh, to call out purposes. So just really some magazines, handcuffs and a gun light. Yeah. Light. I mean, light is key, especially like, I can't tell you how big of a, a pain in the ass it was on that, uh, the two mile like city track. And of course, at the, at a point, like it got to be pride because I like I knew we were on it, and I was like, I'm I'm not quitting. Like this guy's gonna have to quit because he just wouldn't lay down. Mm-hmm. And so we're jumping fences, we're cutting through backyards, we were going over creeks, and to do that in a whole ash duty uniform is tough. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, you train how you fight. Yeah, and hopefully you don't lose shit when you're on the track. <laughs> have not have not lost anything yet uh i lost so i carry of course smoke's reward is tuna and i carry two packs of tuna in my left pocket and in my right pocket he he's he's got a relatively high ball drive so i carry a a toy after the tuna we play with a toy the whole way back to the truck and i've lost his damn toy so many times it just falls out so i stay on order on canine ops for his little tug yeah wow 
Well, you've had a, an amazing career with Smokey in a relatively short period of time. And, you know, I love hearing and, you know, reading about your finds and uh, the quality of them. And they're coming so often. Uh, I, you know, you and Smokey are becoming a, a force to be reckoned with in the Statesboro area. And, and uh, you know, I'm not trying to stroke your ego, but, you know, the fame is there and it's coming even stronger. And, and you guys, you have a lot to offer your community. You should be pretty proud of what you've done. I know I'm proud to read about it every day. I, I see something. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. It, it truly is. If, if I could give if anyone was getting into law enforcement and I, I didn't know that I was going to get a tracking dog when the whole process started mm-hmm. and I didn't know how I felt about it, but like, it's, it is truly one of the most challenging, most rewarding things that you can do. And it like, so our first find was a, uh, a child on Easter, I think it was back in 19, maybe, or 20, it was 20, mm-hmm. 2020. And uh, like that set it off for me, like to, to know that we did that and it's just growing and growing. So we've got the support of, uh, of our community, of our department. And it, it's a game changer when you've got it. Uh, it's an amazing story. And, you know, you got a lot to offer a lot of people. And I think you're going to be an inspiration for other handlers, you know, truly, you know, and wait till you hit that five-year mark. It's going to be amazing. Oh, now, I have a question for you, and I know it's going to be something you probably don't even want to think about or consider. Are you going to get a second dog one day? You're going to do it. You're going to continue to do it. Or is, how do you feel about that? If I have the opportunity when smoke retires to get another one, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, I've done the, I had worked up to a, uh, a sergeant at our department. So I was supervising and it wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. I was still relatively new. So I still had all the piss and vinegar. I mean, I'm like, I want to do stuff mm-hmm. and it wasn't working. So it came to the point where I, I put in my two weeks and went to, uh, go to another agency. And in that time I changed my mind. So I, I just came back and uh, of course, because I had left, they filled my sergeant slot and I came back as a, just an officer and it just worked out that this dog became available and I would not trade it for a single thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the frustrating moments and it's the bond with a working dog is, is unlike anything I've experienced. And it was weird because I've got a personal dog and it's, it's nowhere near the same thing. It's totally different. Yeah. People don't know that until they experience it really. Uh, Yeah. I I had no idea. And I guess my uh, naivety with it, I thought it was going to be the same, but it is like, he knows me and I know him. And it's funny because like, I can tell when he's like getting moody or when he starts being an ass and it's just, it's just funny how it works. Like he's got his awesome days. He's got his bad days, just like I do. Well, I th- I th- he's got a lot of life in him and he's got a lot of years left too. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I was really, really interested because it's once you get the manhunting fever, I think it's really hard to, to put it to rest and you yeah, know, it's a, end up it's being a, something you want to do for the rest of your life. It's like the, especially for, for growing up, as long as I've known, I wanted to be a cop, like to be able to go and play the greatest game of hide and seek every day. Mm-hmm. like. It, it doesn't get any better. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Patrick, 
It's been a great interview. I think we're getting pretty close to the ending. And, um, you know, you, you had a lot of good advice to the other handlers out there that are listening. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to to see your career blossom the way it has. I mean, it's really, really, truly amazing. And and it is. It's an inspiration. And, and, and I hope you get a chance to share the things that you've learned and the things that you've done uh, with other people that are coming up because, you know, the this manhunting world that you're in, it's kind of small, you know, yeah. comparatively speaking to a, a lot of other canine, but it's growing, you know, mm-hmm. there's a bigger interest today than there ever was, especially when I first started. So um, there's going to come a time when you got to pass that torch, man. Yeah. Make yeah. sure you have a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of tools on your tool belt to pass on to those guys. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll hopefully we'll be seeing you. We'd like to get a, uh, get back and do some classes with you with our SWAT team. Yeah, man. I'd love it. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. I'm actually on my way to Forsyth County next month. I'll be there for four days training with those guys. So is that going to be, who, who did they just get? Uh, Swayze. Yes. I'm, I'm super excited to see, see them get, get running. I've spoken with his handler a little bit here and there. My and, uh, son actually trained that dog from scratch for them. And yeah, he's fantastic. He actually reminds me a lot of Smokey, you know, a lot of the same drives and proclivities. He's a really, really good dog. You know, if you get a chance, man, come on up and you can visit and hang out for a little bit when we're giving the class. Absolutely. Yeah. fantastic. It. It's not too far out. I don't think a few hours, maybe. No, it's not bad at all. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, thanks a lot for the interview. hope you had a good time and, um, Hope I get a chance to talk to you here in the near future. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Tell Briley I said hi. I'll do it. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about Jeff Shetler, available books, training courses, and the Tracker School by visiting tttk9.com or by following us on social media. Until next time, Cavete Lupus. Beware the wolf.